0: Well, I'm going to ask you if you um, are able to stand out of respect for God's Word. We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to read verses 11 to 21. Come on over here. And I have the privilege of uh, Reverend Michaela Arbor, my daughter, uh, since his Father's Day, to help us. You will follow along with her. I will read the first verse and you will follow along. Hear the word of the Lord, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 11. Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere and I hope you know this too. Verse 12.
1: Are we commending ourselves to you again? No, we are giving you a reason to be proud of us so you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart.
0: If it seems we are crazy, It is to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. Verse 14.
1: Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life.
0: He died for everyone so that all those who receive this new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Verse 16.
1: So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now.
0: This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old is gone and the new life has begun. Verse 18.
1: And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him.
0: For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against him. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Verse 20.
1: So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God.
0: For God made Christ who never, who made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Let's pray. I'm asking today, Lord, that the words of my mouth, meditations of our hearts will be pleasing in your sight. And As the prophet Samuel prayed long ago, we pray now, speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. And all God's people said, you can have a seat. Thanks, honey. It's a privilege to be with you this morning. Last week I was in Detroit at Mosaic preaching. Pastor Debbie did an incredible job preaching the story and life of Esther. Can I get an amen? I also just want to take this moment to say I'll take privilege uh, for a personal moment and say how much I appreciate uh, the gift God has given me and my children. It's the greatest honor I have to be called dad. I say that without blinking, without hesitation. I have two of my kids, uh, Christian and Michaela on the front row. I've got a son that's in the background doing the slides. I hope you do well, Mickey. And I got one who's not able to be here. What a joy to have four adult children to do life with. It is truly, it's an understatement. It is a blessing, and for those of you who have children, those of you dads and moms, you know exactly what I'm saying. I also wanna say that it is thrilling for me to have my wife back who had surgery, has been out for four weeks, and when she's not in the front row, when I, she can't, by the way, a little intel, she can't stand sitting in the front row, but she does because I want her to. Not because that's what first ladies do, but because she brings so much strength and encouragement to me that my wife is there. And when, she, when I'm preaching, when she's not there, I'm, I know I'm a little off, you're very gracious, but I'm so thrilled that I have her in my life and that she is in the front row today um, being able to be supportive of me as I preach. <clears throat> now I will hear that about that tonight, but that's okay. <laughs> We're beginning a new series this, this morning. I know I have the temptation of saying that each series is the most important series you've ever heard. I am the master of hyperbole and I apologize in advance. But I would say to you that what we're gonna talk about over the next three weeks is critical to the moment in which we live. We are gonna be talking about this thing called conflict. Conflict is all around us. At every level and every sphere, conflict is screaming at us. It is our greatest need Our challenge be facing, I believe, mankind or humankind at this moment. And we're going to take the next three weeks to look at what scripture says about this thing called conflict. And we know it's on the macro level. Uh, We know that we have wars all over this planet, not knowing where they're all going to head and where they're all leading us. We know that even in our own country, we are at the seams eating each other up over different political views and. Different social issues and conflict is screaming at us. We have conflict in our families. Kids canceling parents and parents canceling kids and challenges between mom and dads and marriages at levels we've never seen. Interpersonal conflict at our workplace and in our neighborhoods and in our schools and God forbid, even in our churches. It's been in our churches for a long time. Conflicts everywhere. It is a moment in history where we've got to figure out what does God's word say about it and how shall we then live in the midst of this thing called conflict? That is my hope. Where did it all begin? It all began way back when if you're newer to the faith in Genesis chapter three where Adam and Eve decided that they would disobey God and walk away from the commands of God and try to be as God and as a result, there was separation from God. You and I, we began in in our own lives, reap the repercussions of this decision. We all inherited their rebellious nature. It is natural for all of us to go there. We know that even in their own family, in Genesis chapter four, two brothers, one so enraged with jealousy, kills the other. And we're seeing that same kind of conflict to this very day. We know that the devil, he, he, he comes around the earth, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14, as an angel, uh, masquerades as an angel of light to deceive us. He's deceiving us on many, many fronts, but let me tell you, one of the most uh, critical ways he's deceiving us is through causing us to continue to be engaged with conflict. Interpersonal conflict. Why would he do such a thing? It gets you and I, and I'm talking to the believers of Jesus Christ, when we are absorbed with conflict in our lives, whether it's in our family or in people around us, it, it gets us off of our mission to know him and to make him known. He is one tactic to get you and I off of our mission. And he will use many ways to do it, but conflict is truly one way that he's doing that, day in and day out. I want you to repeat after me a part of a a, a prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray in Matthew chapter six, verse 12. Would you repeat this, say, forgive our debts. debts. Again, forgive our debts. debts. As we forgive our debtors. debtors. One more time, forgive our debts. debts. As we we forgive our debtors. Question, are your prayers cold? Is your worship dry? Is your desire to read scripture non-existent? Does God seem distant and aloof from you? There are a lot of reasons for that, but one of those that I would declare today is unresolved conflict. If in fact you are in unresolved conflict today, God will feel and sense in your own being distant and aloof from you, broken relationships, and definitely impact every single one of us. I've said it before, I'll say it again. I I will march against the gates of hell and claim ground for Jesus. And that won't be as daunting as dealing with interpersonal conflict where people are going after one another. He already knows what it does for each of us over and over again. So for the next three weeks, what we're going to do today, I'm going to lay a biblical foundation that's essential for us to deal with this thing called conflict. Next week, I will preach on this issue of forgiveness in conflict. And then week three, we will look at Matthew 18. Some of you may not even know that the Bible actually gives us step by step how we are to engage and bring forth and deal with conflict. So we're gonna get really practical in week three. And as we look at this, I want you to understand that God wants you and I. There's one thing that's required of all of us this morning, and I hope you're listening to me, and that is you and I's ability to truly listen about our own lives. Because here's what I know about followers of Jesus. We have this quick ability to say, I'm good. There is no conflict. But you already know that there is. And so my prayer is that you will listen to him as we look at this. Let's get into it today, what do you say? Three points that I wanna help us with that will help remove conflict from our life. The first one is is the foundation of of the entire series. If we don't get this first point, we won't get anything and that is simply this, be reconciled with God or be reconciled to God. Somebody say reconcile. Say it again, reconcile. Reconciliation. We see, when we see reconciliation, we see here that we see in verse 18, and this gift is from God, and God has given us back to himself, back to himself. There's an assumption there, isn't there? That we have broken relationship. In order to have reconciliation, you need to understand reconciliation is to restore a broken relationship. And so we must first come to the point of understanding that we have a broken relationship with God before we will ever get to the point of being restored with God. Can somebody say amen? Amen. I think the biggest challenge we have today in America is that we have people that simply do not believe that they have a broken relationship with God, number one. And the second thing that we know in America is that people do not believe that they are and have inherited a sinful nature. They believe that we are inherently good in all ways. But we who have a biblical understanding, scripture clearly says in Romans three twenty three, what? That we have all sin. Every single one of us has sinned and what? Fallen short of the glory of God, therefore, in need of reconciliation. Let me make it very clear. God was not the one that broke the relationship. How many of you understand this? Scripture declares that God is the same what? Yesterday, today, and forever. Yes or no? He's never changed. He's the same as he's always been. It's been us who inherited this same rebellion spirit, that Adam and Eve had that broke that, and he's saying to you and to me today, we need the reconciliation. C.S. Lewis in his book, Mere Christianity said, there's a bits of truth in all religions, but the one main element that they all miss is Jesus Christ. He is the core element that makes this thing called reconciliation even possible. How did he do it? Going back, For verse 19, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sin against them. He gave us this message of reconciliation. It's a powerful thing. Everybody, if you believe that God wants to reconcile with us, say amen. Amen. Now the second question then theologically is this, how does it occur? A really fancy word. Somebody say probitiation. How many of you, that's the first time you ever heard that word, anybody? When I gotta confess, a little information. When I put this there, I said, we're gonna talk about probitiation. Those that helped me with Sunday morning services and the um, worship team said, oh, pastor, what are you going to do? You have a challenge with pronouncing words. How, why in the world would you put such a big word? You're gonna screw it up. So I practiced all week, probitiation. How did I do? Now, having said that, I would say to you that this may sound like a fancy theological term, but this is a powerful term. Without this, there's no reconciliation. This is a theological term that basically means this. It said that Christ did what? Ephesians chapter one, verse seven, Christ purchased our freedom. Probitiation means he atoned for us. If you don't know what atonement means, it means he appeases, he paid the price for us. He was truly, he was the one that changed the game. He stood in our place, he paid the price, propitiation for you and I. Without this, without this word, this fancy word, propitiation, there is no reconciliation. Does this make sense to anyone? The amazing thing about God is that you need to understand is that the entire book of the Bible is that God initiated with you and I. All of the religions of the world have an opposite view of this. Islam declares, it's all human effort. You practice the five pillars of of Islam. And then you need to understand that the book of the Quran is not very practical if you've ever read it. So they had to create a book called the, the Hadith and the Hadith actually tells you how to be a good Muslim. And when you look at this ideology, what you understand that it's all dependent upon the, uh, us, the people. It's our works. And at the end of the day, they hope that their good outweighs their bad, but there's no security for that. Does this make sense? Hinduism and Buddhism, that if we can just get out of the reincarnation cycle, if we can just be better, if we can just clear our, eye, our mind from evil and we can get to the point of our reincarnation, to the point of nirvana, we will have obtained what we've always wanted. Again, depending upon me and my efforts and my works. Atheism, which would declare no spirit whatsoever. There's these universal truths that we all have to be good and I will be as good as I can while I, while I live. But at the end of the day, after I live, I, that's it. That's all she wrote. There's good news for the believer. The believer said it is by faith, not by works that you are saved. I've already done it. I've, the propitiation is that I took your place. I paid the price. I was the one that did it. For you, I took your place. In other words, the, set, the third word is substitutionary. He took your place and my place. Because why? Because he loved us and said, you know what? They can't do it. It's no, there's no way they can be reconciled with me. you got to come as you are. How many of you have understood and seen in the church that we have inadvertently said what? We've said, yeah, you can come and be a part of our church, but you got to first get yourself all together. you got to somehow clean yourself up, and you got to dress a certain way, act a certain way, have a certain attitude, uh, respond and worship a certain way, and, and kind of have all of these rules. Uh, how, how and what we realize is that's not gone so well for us, has it? Because that's not the gospel according to Jesus. Good news if you're newer to KCC or if you're online. You And I say it every week. You can come as you are. You're accepted here. Anybody agree with me? You can belong before you believe. You are welcome here. Uh, We always say here at KCC, it doesn't mean I have to agree with everything that you agree with, but you are loved unconditionally, and you are valued, and you can come here and experience the one who took all of our place. He was our substitute. Can I get an amen from anybody? We have to, and if we are not... If we don't get to the point where we understand it is by faith, if we don't understand that we need a reconciliation with God, we've missed the whole thing. Conflict will continue to arise in our life over and over and over again. Now here's the crazy thing about it. Hear this clearly. There are so many people in the church today in 2022, and if there's anything the last three years have told us is this, is that so many people had their house built on the sand. They said their house was on the rock. But when the storms came, the house fell with a great crash. So be honest before yourself, before God. Are you truly reconciled? Jesus said, broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter in it. And narrow is the road that leads to eternal life and only a few find it. July 28th, 1982, if you've been at KCC, you've heard that a few times. And this July 28th, I will be in Africa with a team from here and I will celebrate 40 years, it seems like yesterday, 40 years of this occurring for me. 40 years ago, I will be in Africa, that reconciliation happened in my life. I was 15 years old, and here I stand, and here's what I wanna say to you. That so changed my life. These words are not just theological words. These things so changed me. I was reconciled with God in such a way that I, from that day forward, have committed every ounce of my life, wherever I live, whatever I'm doing, to let people know what he's done for me, he can do for them. They get to choose. We talked about this yesterday in men's Bible study. I don't save people. I don't change people's hearts. That's a spirit thing. That's between God and them, we know that no one comes to the Father unless the Spirit draws them. Anybody, is this, is this relatable to anybody? Have you ever talked to somebody about Jesus and for whatever reason, it was like they, they, they couldn't understand a thing, right? Their eyes were blinded, scripture says. But that's not your world, and that's not my role. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, and I will build my church. Who will build the church? Jesus will build the church. All I've wanted to do, and and here's the crazy thing about this. I still marvel as I prayed for you in your chairs uh, today. I said, thank you, God, that you counted me worthy that I could speak today to you all. If you would have known me at 15 or 18 or even 20, I'm the one that nobody would have chosen. Anybody else relate to that? Nobody would have chosen me Nobody would have thought this guy that stutters would ever be on a stage, that he would ever lead a church, simply not gonna happen. He's not smart enough, he's not charismatic enough, he doesn't have the leadership instinct, and the list would go on and on and on. But I stand before you today as somebody that the world said it was impossible, and once I was reconciled with God, that was a game changer for me. Anybody else relate to that this morning in your life? It's very very simple my friends the way you get reconciled he did all the work you and I come to the point where you say Lord I have sinned and I confess my sin and I need you to forgive me you got to be that humble first John 1 9 number two you got to actually believe that he is the son of God for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever what will not perish but have what everlasting life and to as many that do this, when you have reconciliation, we have to turn away what happened to me 40 years ago as I was going this way, and I decided to go towards Jesus. I didn't, I wasn't religious, and I didn't even know what that meant, but I just said, I want you God. And in that moment, it so changed my life. I did what we call repentance. I did a 180, went in the opposite direction, and I have never decided and never thought about going back. Sure I've struggled, sure I've um, messed up, but my eyes have been fixed on Jesus every single day of my life. You want your life to make a difference, be reconciled with God and turn to him. And he says in John 1, 12, to as many who receive him, you want the gift today? It's for all of us, it's for all of us. It's called reconciliation. I love you so much, whether you are online right now or whether you are in this sanctuary, he loves you so much that here's the beautiful thing, he is reaching out to you in this moment. Anybody agree with me? He's reaching out to you right now. If we're gonna avoid conflict in our life, the foundational issue is what? We've gotta be reconciled with God, amen, church? Gives me the second point, once we're reconciled with God, then number two, be reconciled with yourself. Be reconciled with yourself. Somebody say healing. Healing. Say it again, Healing. healing. This is going to help us to understand is once this happens and I am reconciled with God, then I can start dealing with me. Because some of you, because of what you've done, where you've been, what you've said, you continue to struggle with it. And it continues to scream at you day in and day out. I got some good news for you. It's verse 17, if you still have your Bibles open. He said clearly, this means, if you reconcile with God, you ready? This means that anyone who belongs to Christ is what? Becomes a new person. The old is what? Gone, and the new has begun. Therein lies the truth, my friends. The reality is once you're reconciled with God, we have a God that says, it's done. And so some of you that are sitting here, but pastor, you don't know what I did last night. Let me respond to you. It doesn't matter what you did last night. What it matters is what you're gonna do right now. And whether you're gonna say, I need to now begin to begin my journey with him. And I need to reconcile me. Now, let me be honest with you. This is a struggle for many people. They're okay with being reconciled with God. But the enemy keeps coming after you and coming after you and you keep listening to the lies. You are a loser. You will never amount to anything. Uh, You truly aren't a follower. And then you compare yourself with somebody else. Stop comparing yourself. Stop it right now. You are who you are created in the imago de Dios. You are a child of God. If you don't get anything else, you need to understand that today. You are... Uh, at a point where the supernaturals happened. And in my own life, I struggled with it early on at that 15 and 16 and 17 and 18 years. Over and over again, the enemy kept coming back to me and saying, Mick, no, 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 no. Uh, you, you, it's not possible for you. You've done this and you've done that. I then went back to scripture, 2 Corinthians um, 5, 17. I am a new creation, The old is not just partially gone. It's not gone for just the weekend. It's not gone for a month. It is gone forever. You are a new creation from this day forward. And every time you're tempted to go back and condemn yourself, what you're doing is you're actually saying you don't believe in the authority and the power of the cross. And that is a lie from the pit of hell. It wasn't until I had an encounter where God finally did that and said, Mick, it's time to get on getting on. I've taken your sin as far as the east is from the west, says the Psalms. And though you were red like crimson, you are now white as snow. Not because of anything you have done, hallelujah, it's because of everything that I have done. And because you believe in me, I'm the one that has the capacity and the ability to change you from the inside out. This is not transactional, this is transformative in your heart and in your life. Does this make sense? This is some truth, and if this is some truth, can somebody say amen? amen? This is truly the truth of God's word today. We preach often about a biblical character named Saul who became Paul, we know him, do we not? We know what he did in Acts 1, 8 1, when he gave the approval of the very first martyr, Stephen, how he chased after people like you and I to arrest us. He was a bad dude. And in Acts 9, he gets an encounter with Jesus directly, does he not? And what we see from his life is he come, becomes from there to be a missionary. And he goes out and gives his life for the gospel, does he not? Acts 20, 24, as he's leaving the people in Ephesus, he says, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of Jesus Christ. The reason why I give that to you is this. We rarely talk about what happened inside this guy. Did he, there had to be a moment that he had to first, after he was reconciled with God in that moment on the road to Damascus, he had to be reconciled with himself. Does this not make sense? He had to come to a point where he was like, I'm actually a new creation. I am transformed. And he went on and he stopped listening to the lies from the pit of hell, stopped listening to them and he changed the world. I can concur with that, although I didn't go out and kill people and oppose the church. But when I got, I didn't have a Damascus experience where God spoke from heaven, but it was just as powerful. Anybody else have one? It was so changing that it so transformed me that all of a sudden I had to realize I had to be reconciled with myself. And I would say to you, although I haven't died for the gospel as Paul died for the gospel when he went to Rome... I've said to him many times and I say to you today without a hesitation in my voice, I am willing to die for the gospel this very moment and it will always be that way because scripture says for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I know that I know that I know that I know. You may not even like my preaching style because I'm a little too intense and a little fast but there's one thing its true, I actually believe this thing. I actually believe it with everything I have. It's not a religion. It's not just a culture. It's not just a, a rich religious activity. It's who I am. That's who Saul was, and that's who you need to be. Are you willing to go there? You need to be resolved in yourself and reconcile with yourself and say, I'm a new creation. Can somebody say that with me? Say, I'm a new creation. A new. One more time, I'm a new creation. Romans 8, one says this, I'll paraphrase. Stop condemning yourself. Stop condemning yourself. It says there is no condemnation. How much? No condemnation. Would you repeat after me? Say, I am not condemned. One more time, just for safe assurances. I am not condemned. Do you believe it yet? The message of reconciliation with ourselves will help us with the conflicts around us and hold on to the truth. Because once you reconcile with yourself, let me give you some truth. You ready to do some repeating with me from biblical truth? If you are reconciled with yourself and with Christ, number one, Galatians 5.1, say, I have freedom in Christ. That was weak, say, I am free in Christ. Secondly, Philippians 4, 13, say, I have power in Christ. Romans 8, 37, say, I'm a conqueror in Christ. Jeremiah 29, say, I have a plan in Christ. 1 John 4, 4, say, I am protection in Christ. Church, do you believe it today? Once we are reconciled with God, we can reconcile with ourselves. And if those don't happen, those two things don't happen, we will always be in conflict, not only with God and ourselves, but with everybody around us. Which takes me to the final thought, and that is simply this, is that if we're reconciled with God and reconciled with ourselves, be reconciled with others. Be reconciled with others. Somebody say peace. Peace. Say it again, Peace. peace. This is the proof. This is the proof whether or not you're reconciled with God and yourself is that you have the ability to be reconciled with other people. Over the next two weeks, we're going to look at this at incredible length. But if you will, go to verse 20. Verse 20 says this, we are Christ's what? Ambassadors. God is making his appeal through whom? Us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. We are ambassadors for him in all relationships with all peoples. Now, I really didn't understand what an ambassador was till I lived abroad. I had two friends that were ambassadors in the city of Baku, and as they were ambassadors, what I learned from them was simply this. They are the highest form of the United States government in that country. They actually speak on behalf of the President of the United States, and they represent he or her with everything, and if they can't represent the President of the United States, they can no longer be the ambassador. They are the representation of the president to the people of that country. Does that make sense? You and I in Scripture are the exact same way with Christ. We are the ambassador. He's playing his role out through us. I've said this many times to many folks. I said, the one question I'm going to ask when heaven is upon us, and that is this. Why do you want to use us as ambassadors? It would seem a whole lot better that you would just kind of get this thing done because there's one thing I've learned about us, we're really good at messing it up. But he wants to make his appeal through us. What he's not saying is that there won't be conflict. There's always gonna be conflict. It's what you and I do with the conflict that's the key. And we are to represent Christ through all of it. And reconciliation becomes our norm. That we are always about reconciling with others and then we will look at how you do that. Even a week ago, thank God it wasn't KCC, I was walking in a relationship with people that needed reconciled, two believers. And after nearly two hours of spewing venom back and forth at one another, as I shared with staff, I had enough. Many people had never seen this side of me, but I I was on my end and what I saw I did not like. And I slammed my fists on the table and I said, I cannot make you reconcile before God, but I will not allow you to destroy this church. You will be taking everything away from I will take every power away from you in this church and you will reap the consequence but you will not destroy this church with your venom. Unfortunately this is a common occurrence all around us because we are not reconciled with God and with ourselves. We walk around in conflict all around the church. You want to know we are seeing some cool things happening in our worship service. If you're newer to KCC the Holy Spirit has just continued to pour himself out and one of the main reasons is Jesus told us in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 23, he said, if you have something against your brother or your sister, and you're coming to give your worship, your offering, your worship before God, you need to not do that. You need to first go and make it right with your brother and sister, and then come and worship. But in America, we don't practice Jesus' words. We don't go make it right. We don't reconcile with one another. And then just like that confrontation I had, you bring that conflict into worship services. And do you know what happens when you have those kinds of conflicts in worship services? I don't know if you know what happens. And and this is the honest God truth. The blessing and the anointing of God lifts and leaves the, the premise And you can have all your songs and your preaching and your handshaking and all your food, but the most important ingredient about being followers of Christ is that you don't even know that the blessing and the anointing of God has left the premises. And I am calling the church right now. We are in a moment in the history of our church that we cannot survive outside the blessing and the anointing of God. If there is one thing that I fear most is that God's presence and his blessing and his anointing would not be upon us. Give me his blessing. Give me his anointing over anything else but that the presence of God would be upon us. Does this resonate with anybody that can hear my voice this morning? But we have a responsibility, do we not? And you already know whether the Holy Spirit's talking about it. If you're coming in week in and week out, with conflict in your heart with somebody else. We'll talk about reconciliation, because some of you are like, well, they don't want to be reconciled. We'll talk about that, okay? But as far as it depends upon you, you need to do what you need to do. Does this make sense? Romans chapter 12, verse 18, Paul says this. As much as it depends upon you, what? Live at peace with all people. As much as it depends upon you, live at peace with all people. And once we are reconciled with one another, the unity that Jesus prayed for will be ours. Does this make sense? The unity that Jesus um, prayed for in John 17 will be ours. The love of Jesus will be evident. First John chapter four, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God. And he demonstrated his love for us in that while we were sinners, he died for us. He demonstrated what love is, we are to do that. We will, we will show compassion. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 says, and the God who gives you compassion will enable you to have compassion for others. The key point is harmony and unity among the believers is our greatest witness to the world. Can I get an amen? This is what the Bible says is the foundation. We need to first be reconciled with God, then reconciled with ourselves, then we can be reconciled with one another. My friends, as we close today, we begin to understand that conflict is inevitable. It's unavoidable. But with reconciliation with God and with ourselves, we can begin to be the hands and feet of Jesus with the conflict we can't control. Because there's some conflict we simply can't control. Even Jesus said, they will hate you. They will mock you. And some of you, they will kill. So yeah, conflict is coming. And the issue's not that. The issue is how are you and I responding before our Father? Does this make sense to anybody? Would you bow your heads with me? I'm gonna ask uh, Brand to come on out and the team. Lord God, as I pray right now, I ask that your Holy Spirit would do what you need to do in our midst and that you would help us with this thing called conflict and we truly understand what it means to be your hands and feet to a world that desperately needs a new touch and a fresh wind and a fresh power. Would you hear our cry today? Would you speak to our hearts? Would you enable us to be people that truly call forth and understand what it means to restore a relationship that's broken, Uh, whether it's a relationship with you or whether it's a relationship with myself or it's a relationship with somebody else. Oh God, as far as it depends upon me, I want to live my life in such a way that I can lay my head on my pillow at night and know that I simply did my best hear my cry have your way here Holy Spirit speak Lord for your servants have been listening your servants have been listening would you be faithful to us Would you truly enable us to respond the way that we can and must? Yeah, thank you, Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being faithful to us. Amen, look up this way. I'm gonna have you standing momentarily, but before you stand, I believe what the Spirit of God is saying, that there are some people here, for sure, those of you who aren't, there's some online, and you need to engage our, our hosts. And that is this. You said you've been reconciled with God, but you haven't. You've got religion. You've got culture. Some of you have been raised in the church, so you have all the answers. But God is distant and aloof, and you know it. And today you want to you make that reconciliation. He's, he's, he's doing this to you. Did you know that? His arms are wide open. and He's saying, come home. Come home. Be reconciled with me and let me change you from the inside out. And then there's a second group here this morning, not just that. You get the whole intellectual ascent that God reconciled with God. But you've have walked around so long with this lies that you can't forgive yourself. You need to respond and say, enough is enough. I'm st- I'm done with the lies. I'm done living saying I want to practice 2 Corinthians 5 17. It's over with. I get so mad watching Christians, so many Christians living, beaten up by the enemy. And if I could shake it out of you, I would. But that's not my job. You need to realize you are a child of God. You're a new creation. And it's yours today. You need to engage him and say, I want to reconcile with myself. And obviously, lastly, there are those you may have You have have some some things you need to do. You need to think about people that you have conflict with and what you play in that conflict. Isn't it easy to blame everybody else? (laughs) It's one thing I can tell you about marriage. It's easy to blame the spouse. It's easy to always focus on everybody else and not me. God, speak to me and my issues. Amen? Now I'm going to ask you to stand with me. Go ahead, stand, church. Here's what we're going to do. We're gonna close in worship. There is a time. You can do it in your seat, but the the altars are open, and if you have one one of those three things God's speaking to you, you're welcome to come and kneel. Nobody's gonna throw judgment at you. We'll pray with you and support you. Brent's gonna lead us in a time of worship, and after we've responded, we will close our time. But let me just say this. You may never have another opportunity than this moment, so make sure you make the most of it. If your heart is beating and you're sensing the Holy Spirit, come now and kneel before God and make sure the reconciliation piece is made right. Amen? Brant, will you lead us? Church, come on, respond. Forgive yourself. Forgive others. Be reconciled today. This is your opportunity. Lead us, Brant. Church, respond as you need.
2: Draw me close to never let me go. I lay it all down again to hear you say that I'm will do, no one else will do, no one else can take your place to feel the warmth, to feel the warmth. reconciling us to you. With you, Jesus, it's only been you, only been you by your spirit. We will rise from the Because I'm resurrecting Cain, you see, he's resurrecting me. In your name I come alive to declare your victory, to declare it, oh. In the ashes of His the resurrected King, is resurrecting me. In your name I come alive to declare your victory. The resurrected King is resurrecting me by your spirit.
0: of you that now, please stay as long as you'd like, and also please engage us so that uh, we have staff around here that would love to connect with you, and lay leaders so that we can have next steps with you. So don't leave unless uh, you feel good that we can be able to engage you, amen? Well, the Lord has been good to us, amen? He's been really, really good to us. And so I want to close our service this morning by giving you the benediction as we, as we march out in the name of Jesus. The Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace until we meet again. And all God's people said, Amen.